We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. through the Eastern Conference today. We're, we're going to kind of work these episodes into the feed maybe once or twice a month throughout the season, uh, try to hit all 15 teams in a conference, uh, hopefully in 30 to 40 minutes. We'll see. We've tried this before. Almost never do we stick to the one to two minute rule per team, but that's going to be the goal, Alex. We're going to go through uh, the Eastern Conference today. Next time, we will, of course, follow up with the Western Conference and uh, we'll just go team by team. We'll, we'll talk fantasy notes, anything that's standing out to us of late. but. Uh, first and foremost, how are you doing, man? Uh, every, everything good in the NBA world? Everything's good in the NBA world, um, other than, of course, my stake league team doing horribly, um, courtesy of LeBron James and Bradley Beal. Yeah. Um, Clutch sports, baby. Ex- exactly. Uh, I picked up Charles Bassey in an alarming <laughs> amount of leagues uh, and uh. starting a utility spot of uh, Hartenstein and Bassey in the 16 teamer, which actually isn't that Love bad. That. But the the problem is that LeBron's on my bench. So uh, yep. yeah, yeah, it is what it is, man. I uh, yeah, I, I, in this league, I famously uh, grabbed Kawhi Leonard. We've been over that a number of times on this pod. I I, I don't really want to dig into that again, but I'm doing worse than you in stake league. So I you know I'm starting Tyus Jones and Jalen McDaniel's this week. Uh, DeAndre Hunter has been a mainstay in my lineup for better or for worse. Uh, I've, I've been dealing with uh, obviously the Kawhi situation, a, a ton of injuries. It, you know, I, we, we work in this industry. Like we, this is literally what we do for a living. It's been just unbelievably frustrating so far. Uh, the amount of injuries, the amount of day-to-day injuries more than anything. Like we, it's not like we've had like a major player tear their ACL early on in the season. It's just, it, it's been you know, two or three games here, uh, an illness all of a sudden turns into a four game absence for, for guys like Fred Van Vliet. Uh, you know, I've been going through it with Yusuf Nurkic on a couple teams. You know, now we're missing Desmond Bain for a couple weeks. Isaiah Stewart is out. Like it feels like every team has 
one to two pretty significant contributors who have already missed time. And I, I don't know. I was talking with with Mike Barner, uh, our guy here at Rotowire, on the XM show last night, and he basically said we just need to switch to daily lineup leagues. I know it's more work, but I'm with him at this point. It is a little more more work. I don't necessarily hate that idea. Um, or biweekly. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too opposed to that. Sure. Um, you know, so rare does that. I think that works fine. But uh, yeah, it's just it's really tough to go weekly these days because of either that or just we start fewer players. You know, because we we have to start. I don't know what is this like ten players or something in our sixteen teamer. Maybe we just need to cut the starters down to like eight. <laughs> yeah. I think like two starters would be ideal yeah. for me at this point. Uh, yeah, that. it's yeah, and it's easy for us to say as far as you know daily lineup leagues. You know, we 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 have plenty of opportunities throughout the day to uh, you know get information and and track who's in and who's out and make those changes. I know for for people who are outside of the industry, it's not quite as easy, but it's just become. It feels like so far, it's whoever's had the healthiest team is going to be in first place. It's not who had the best draft or who's performed the best. It's just what team has had the highest number of games played. Right. And you, you know, you mentioned swapping guys out in daily leagues. Not everybody wants to be tied to their phone with notifications on for when yep. some guy who's questionable gets ruled out at nine or 10 PM Eastern time. And you have to swap that guy in or out. So that's its own issue too. It's my main problem with mm-hmm. like daily lineup leagues and late swap stuff. All right, well, let's get into the Eastern Conference uh, before we we burn any more time uh, complaining about our stake league teams. We will be back. James is suffering as well. I know all three of us are struggling in that league, uh, but we'll we'll make it work. I'm I'm confident that you know the worst might be behind us already. Uh, but let's go. Do you want to start with the top or the bottom of the conference? Start with the bottom of the conference. All right, let's start with the bottom. I, I'm with you. I, I feel like there's almost more interesting things going on in Charlotte and Detroit and Atlanta uh, than there are in Boston and Milwaukee. And if we're going to the bottom. That means we are going to Shannon McEwen's Detroit Pistons, the three and 12 Detroit Pistons. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody had overly grand expectations for Detroit this year. I, you know, I think there was some, there's some play and talk coming from a, a certain office uh, at the, the Rotowire HQ, but uh, and that still may be in play uh, depending on what we see uh, with some of these other teams that might end up falling back. But Detroit to me is is in the same bucket as uh you know a team like Orlando where the record is pretty terrible you know that they've lost a, a lot of close games they've had some blowouts as well but I feel really good about what I've seen from Jaden Ivey uh you know Jalen Duran looks like he's going to be a player maybe faster than expected the only real drawback for me I, I guess is you know Kate Cunningham is injured but he, to me didn't really look like he had taken a major major step forward before that and small sample size I, I'm still very high on him going forward but. I, I did think he might get off to a hotter start. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I know people sort of question whether or not Cade's the guy who just like string up carry a team, right? Um, I think that's fair to question, but yeah, his shooting, his shooting was just not up to par. Um, you know, forty-one percent from the field, twenty-eight percent from three, and he launches a good amount of threes at like five per game. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I mean, I thought, you know, and some of that, we should say some of that is being dragged down. He had like a terrible one for 11 game against Boston yep. um, on November 9th. And that, that certainly dragged down. Yeah, his that that literally dragged his field goal percentage down two points. So we exactly. are talking about a small sample. Yeah. But um, I understand, you know, people are hoping for more. Jig and Ivy's also taking on a decent amount of usage. And I think, um, you know, he's not playing better than Cade. But it's a it's a, a release valve option for Cade, who doesn't mm-hmm. now have to put up this the sort of um, 
you know, he's not really taking that many more shots compared to last season. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't expect him to have some like breakout season at this point. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he, it was kind of a tale of two halves for him last year, got off to a really slow start and turned it on big time in the second half. But yeah, the shooting to me is the biggest thing. You know, he, he cannot be a 30% three point shooter. And that's basically what he was last year. He's been worse than that this year. I'm pretty confident that that's going to come around. You know, he's adjusted the release point on that shot. It, it certainly looks good. He's confident shooting it. Uh, but, you know, the percentages bear it out. I and mean, we, we got a pretty large sample if you take into account last year and this year of him just being a very, very below average shooter. And, and again, I would expect that to come around, but it uh, doesn't look like a guarantee at this point that it'll happen this season. On Ivy, I mean, 16, 5, and 4 with a steal and a half. Uh, the percentages are pretty good, as we expected. The free throw percentage, not great. He's taken a ton of free throws as well, getting to the line uh, a decent amount, but he's hanging around 34, 35% from three. That's really good. And, you know, it, it makes sense when you watch him because he, he's really active. He's really athletic. He was not a high steals player at all in college. And, and that has changed in the NBA. I mean, he's hanging around a, a steal and a half, and that's been huge for his fantasy value. Yeah, he's a, he's a great athlete. And I think, you know, I was expecting, I think, more like high-flying highlight plays from him in the NBA because there were a few of those in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, you know, I went to a, a Bucks game. I saw him in person that first time they played Detroit and he looks as comfortable as anybody else. Granted, you know, the players around him uh, on Detroit probably make him look a little better, but he, when you watch him play physically, he looks like an NBA player. He's as fast as he was burning people off the dribble. Um, I think, I think he has legitimate upside to be, um, a really good NBA player, if not an all-star. Uh, just based on, I mean, because he just looks so comfortable as a rookie already. He's already doing it efficiently. I bet, Shannon, that uh, he would not finish inside the top 150. And we'll see. You know, the percentages, I think, might end up deciding that more than anything. But I'm not feeling great about that. I, I really thought he would struggle more. Um, I, I've, I've always been high on him long term, but I thought there'd be a bigger adjustment process. And it, it's really translated. He's looking like one of those guys who maybe his game just kind of suits the NBA a little bit better than it did the Big Ten style, which in retrospect does kind of make some sense. Last thing I'll say about Detroit, Bojan Bogdanovic career year is continuing. 50% from the field, 88% at the line, 42% from three. Does Bogdanovic finish this season a member of the Detroit Pistons? I, he, he shouldn't. I, 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 hope, I mean, <laughs> it would be malpractice if he does. For my own fantasy team. I hope he finishes with the Pistons because he yeah. is killing it right now. But um, no, they should look to trade him uh, at the at the deadline for sure because he, you know, any team, any championship contending team has uh, twenty plus minutes a game just locked and loaded for him. Um, they can they can make that happen. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. I'm kind of going through the same thing with Jakob Pertl, who I, I read another <laughs> right. report this morning that he's, he's you know, Boston was maybe looking at him. I'm like, oh, God, that would worst case scenario. Like, we, we need that guy to keep playing 30 minutes a game. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets, well, we'll try to go faster through this. Got off to a rough start with Detroit. But like we said, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about uh, with these bad teams. Uh, obviously, the storyline in Charlotte right now, LaMelo Ball back uh, for, for missing the first 10 or so games of the year. As expected, a little rusty. You know, the shooting has been rough. He's like five for 24 from three so far. Uh, but, you know, a, a good sign that I think that he's taken that many through two games. Not getting to the free throw line much at all. Only has three free throw attempts through the last two games. Um, you would think that that'll come around. But, you know, the assists look fine. I, I think for the most part, you know, within a week or so, we're, we're going to be back to 
LaMelo Ball being a nightly double-double, if not triple-double threat. I mean, they need it, man. Uh, they are, yeah. they're, they're pretty bad. I I think he will be they're back bad. to his usual self, not concerned at all about LaMelo. Um, the rest of the team, you know, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries too, like Dennis Smith Jr. is now out, Gordon Hayward, obviously <laughs> hurt. I know the fact that they're accurate, but still jarring to hear. Still jarring to hear. You know, they've been playing a little Theo Maladon. Uh, yeah, they've, well, you know, they haven't had Dennis Smith, you know, so I mean, that, that, that explains it. But he's been a monster. I mean, I we, the thing is, like, Dennis Smith got hurt right as LaMelo came back. So we haven't really gotten a chance to see what that split's going to be. Right. And um, I mean, if you have if you have Dennis Smith Jr. fancy at this point, I mean, if you have the roster spot to hang on to him just to see what happens, mm-hmm. go for it. Otherwise, I think you got to it's probably a move on situation. And then the, for yeah. me, the most frustrating thing is just the, the them continuing to play Mason Plumley. like now like 30 minutes a game over Nick Richards, who um, I'm convinced is actually really good, but they, they just yeah. won't play him. Yeah. Kelly Oubre. I mean, quietly Oubre, having yeah. a nice year. Percentages aren't great, but you know, he's up over a steal and a half a game, uh, 18 points per game. Um, quietly looking pretty good with Gordon Hayward out. And it feels like we're going down, Uh, That same path yet again with Hayward. The NBA is back. On behalf of Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing beats seeing your favorite team beat every other team live and in person to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Vivid Seats believes that real fans deserve to be rewarded and that you deserve a ticketing platform that not only makes it easy to find great deals, but also rewards you all season long. Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards with every purchase. No one else has that. They even have a 100% buyer guarantee that your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today and use our promo code ROTOWIRE for $10 off your first purchase of at least $100. Again, that promo code is ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E for $10 off your first $100 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. The Orlando Magic, 4-10. So by virtue of having one fewer loss than, than the Hornets, they are in 13th place in the Eastern Conference. Paolo Bancaro has missed a few games with an ankle. Uh, that, that's been disappointing. I mean, he has been a revelation. I feel like we've touched on that a few times on the pod. I mean, there's not, not a whole lot else to say, I feel like, about Bancaro. Um I mean, it could be a 25, eight and four guy as a rookie. I mean, he just, he checks every box for me. He's super athletic. The only thing is he is taking four threes a game and he's shooting like 25%. So that'll be something to monitor. You know, he's only played in 11 games so far. If he's still hanging around 25 to 30% at the all-star break, you know, maybe, maybe we have to worry about that. But in general, man, I, I've just been completely blown away by Ben Caro. Ben Caro's he's awesome. Um, one of the most NBA ready looking uh, prospects we've seen in a while. Um, he's got to make a case for the all-star game this year. And I, you know, I actually think the magic are better than their record. I, I mean, that's what simple rating suggests, right? Like they're, they might be like a six and eight team right now, but they their records four and 10. So they could be hanging around 500 and that passes the eye test too. Like you watch the magic play and it's, it's very coherent and they're exciting and fun to watch and they they play good basketball um they they are not only one win better than the than the pistons but yeah bancaro's he's awesome and even franz wagner is um, oh yeah doing a little better than i thought he would but they they play off of each other really well as does everybody on this magic team sort of evidenced by the fact that bull bull is also having a career year 
Yeah, I mean the bowl bowl revelation. I mean, I, I I'm loving this. Obviously, we've been all over bowl uh, in the past. I I still worry that that an injury is coming. Um, you know, he, right. that's kind of been the issue for him. And you know, in Denver, it just it never felt like the opportunity was there. But he was always banged up. I mean. This is exactly kind of the best case scenario, I think, especially based on where his career looked like it was going a couple of years ago, where you're wondering, like, are, are these foot injuries just going to add up to the point uh, that, he, that he can't really play? And I mean, dude, shooting 63% from the field, 48% from three, uh, you know, he's blocking two shots a game, doing all that in like 24 minutes per game. Uh, it's been really, really fun and, and really impressive. And I'm, I'm glad it's working out for him. Uh, Jalen Suggs is the other guy I want to hit on. You talked about Wagner. I mean, he's, he he's just one of the most like puzzling players I can remember because like nothing about his game is impressive, but he just he gets it done and he he's you know at the end of the day he somehow has like eighteen seven and four every night. Um, you don't really understand how it's happening, but uh, with Suggs, you know he he missed a little bit of time, but to me it looks significantly better than last year. I mean, got off to a hot start. The numbers have come down a little bit. Uh, you know, defensively he's a complete monster. I think maybe he was a little underrated on that end, but the shooting has once again just completely fallen off a cliff. Yeah. I, uh, I think, yeah, like you mentioned, we saw some of this last year. He can pass. He's, he's a good defender. He's a good athlete, but the shot's a problem and he's, he's continuing to shoot it. I don't know what the solution is. I mean, the 62% from the uh, free throw line, that's, that's really bad. That's really what's killing you in fantasy, honestly, because he, yep. he likes to get to the free throw line only three a game this year, but I actually think that has room to grow. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, you have him in a deep league, right? Like, yeah, I think he's like a 16-team guy, 14-team fantasy league guy, but he's I, – I don't necessarily trust him for this year because Cole Anthony's going to come back eventually. Fultz is going to come back eventually. Yeah, I, I think relatively low upside the rest of the way, but they are – you know, they are under some sort of obligation to see what they have here, and I, I'm very interested to see how that point guard – rotation breaks down. I, I'm a little worried that those three are just going to cannibalize each other to the point where there's not a lot of value there. The six and nine Brooklyn Nets who surrendered 153 points to the Sacramento Kings last night. We're catching them at a good time. Uh, Kevin Durant uh, kind of unloaded a, in a Chris Haynes interview after <laughs> the game, um, you know, set the record for, I think like most swear words used in an interview. Yeah. Like it was like, it was like borderline unreadable because of the amount of like dashes and stars uh, starring out uh, Kevin Durant's quotes. Um, it, it was kind of a back and forth. I felt like, you know, where it was like one sentence he's saying like, Oh, I'm having so much fun this year. I, I love what we're building with Jacques Vaughn. The next sentence it's like, yeah, actually my teammates are totally horrible and I, I don't like playing with these guys. I, I don't know what to think of the nets. I mean, they're, they're clearly a level above the Lakers in terms of on court ability. I mean, they, they have twice as many wins as the Lakers, even though the rosters, I don't, I don't, I don't think are all that different. I mean, the nets have a few more quality role players, I guess, but that's about it. Who knows what's going on with Kyrie? Uh, ben Simmons has been a disaster. I, I was telling you about that stat that I read. Uh, I think Mark Stein had it that Ben Simmons has 23 total drives to the basket this season for a guy who in his peak years was averaging 12 drives per game. Uh, I mean, I, I do, I've gotten a lot of things wrong for this fantasy basketball season. That's for sure. I, one thing I feel like I, I was dead on was completely avoiding Ben Simmons. Like th this situation doesn't seem like it's going to be remedied anytime soon. I was I'm relatively high on Simmons this year. I didn't end up with him in any drafts because somehow apparently other people were higher than I was on him. I was like, yeah, draft of 70, 80, who cares? But everybody was yeah, just like, that chance for me. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned his drives are down. It's super passive if you've watched him play. Um, the numbers back that up. 
14% usage rate this year. That's down from 20% um, two years ago. And that's the sort of drop that we've seen out of like Bradley Beal compared to Beal averaging like 30 points a game of where he's at now. But Simmons wasn't even that high of a usage guy anyway. I just, the, the knee injury, like the injuries combined with whatever else is going on. It's just, it's just awful. Like it, like if I'm, if I have anybody on the, like, I feel safe if I have Durant in fantasy for the most part, but I don't know who else you feel safe with on your roster on Brooklyn. Like if you have who, like Royce, Royce O'Neal. O'Neal. I was going to say, if you have Royce <laughs> O'Neal, you're like, I, you know, I Royce think that's O'Neal. a chance we have to end the podcast there. Yeah. 36 minutes a game for O'Neal. You know, he's not doing too bad. Um, it's a he, disaster for them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Royce is up to his old tricks. He's somebody that I feel like he, he kind of became the new Robert Covington yeah. these last couple of years while Covington is like switching teams every other week and his roles all over the place. Like, I, you know, Royce O'Neal is seemingly always available when you need a guy and you're like, yeah, maybe he'll get you a couple steals. Maybe he'll get you six or seven rebounds, hit a couple threes. Uh, he's kind of in a supercharged version of that role, but I think that might diminish a little bit, you know, with Seth Curry and, and Joe Harris back in the mix but I don't know what to think of the nets. I mean, there are these KD to the Sixers rumors that are bubbling up. Like I, oh, I think man. I just, I don't, I don't see this really changing in any meaningful way before the deadline. And I, I think every couple of weeks there, there's going to be these KD and Kyrie questions. And I, I would not be surprised if one of them ends up being dealt uh, before the deadline in February. I think you have to, this team is just, it's toxic. It is seriously toxic. Like you mentioned that you got, Shams writing pieces about how Ben Simmons is a competitor and all this stuff. And then, you know, you mentioned the, the piece about KD where he's like, Joe Harris and Nick Claxton and O'Neill are the starting lineup. What do you expect to happen? He literally says that to, to Chris Haynes in an interview. I just. Well, well, to be fair, Kevin, KD did pull the like not to be racist, but card. He's like, hey, no disrespect, <laughs> but these guys are terrible. Exactly. And then and then he ended the interview by being like, my legacy is that I can play with anyone. Uh, yeah, very bizarre. Except I, these I think, guys. Except these particular guys. I think I think they just need to get rid of all these guys at any like almost any cost. Like just go back to that old like weird tanking version of the Nets. Yeah, but it feels like that's kind of what the fans want. Is like we actually missed the Kenny Atkinson, Spencer yes. Dinwiddie, uh, Tyshawn Taylor uh, days, if you will. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Chicago Bulls, six and eight. Uh, Zach Levine's been in and out. You know, DeMar DeRozan is doing like 90% of what he was last year. Uh, this team desperately, desperately needs Lonzo Ball back in the mix for defensive purposes. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. He's been, uh, he was running underwater recently, uh, which is, which is good, but I don't know that any games will be played underwater this year to be, I mean, that's probably a like month to month situation at best. And I, it just feels like a roster that is built squarely to contend for the nine through 11 spot in the Eastern conference. They're pretty boring. I, they are just not that interesting this year. Like I've seen, I've seen a little bit of bulls basketball. It's just, they're not that compelling. They're, they're a good team. They have good players. I honestly, I don't know what else to say. I, all right, there we go. This is where we'll make up some time. We're moving on. Nothing else to say about the Chicago bulls. Uh, the Miami heat, a far more interesting outfit. They are at seven and seven. Uh, are the Heat uh, coming off of three straight wins? They beat Phoenix the other night by one. They had a big win over Charlotte. Uh, actually, beat Charlotte twice. Um, I, this team, like, I, I just kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. I know there was a, some minor panic when they got off to that two and five start. It was ugly. It does feel like they've they've taken a little bit of a step back. It, a, a lot of nights, it feels like they're one guy short, and you know, I think they're they're feeling the absence of PJ Tucker, but. I don't know. At the same time, it's like, is PJ Tucker at this point, you know, really costing you that much night tonight? I, I kind of have a hard time believing that. Uh, Bam Adebayo is not going to play tonight. Other than that, I, I think he's played pretty well these last couple of weeks. He he too got off to a slow start, but he's turned it around. Um, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on Miami? Any, anything jump out? Uh, yeah, I think they miss PJ Tucker. You're right. They are thin. Tyler Heroes missed four games. I actually think that, that, that matters a, a pretty good amount i people are kind of just like not talking about that that much in terms of miami struggling um mm-hmm. you know like max Struess has the third most minutes on the team total uh what do you expect from a team when that happens but yeah i think i think once hero gets healthy they'll start to turn things around but um they are they are a shallow roster and inevitably the lowry and jimmy butler injuries are coming right lowry's played every game i think uh butler's yeah yeah uh so when that happens, then who knows? Yeah. And once again, I mean, Kyle Lowry is 36 years old and he's playing 35 minutes a game. You know, I, that's just, it's not sustainable. Uh, you know, and, and last year for what it's worth, you know, his absences were more personal issue related as opposed to injuries, but still, I mean, you, you just can't be running uh, somebody who has that many miles on him this hard, but they don't have a choice. Like you said, I mean, Tyler hero has missed time and, you know, you got to give props to Miami for developing guys like Caleb Martin, like Max Drews, like Gabe Vincent. But I don't think ideally those guys are giving you 26 to 30 minutes a night. And that's like, th- th- those guys are in their top seven right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, their their top seven is Butler, Lowry, Bam, Strews, Hero, Martin, Vincent. Like that, those like three of those guys should not be playing as many minutes as they are. Uh, again, it feels like they're a piece short. I, I don't know what the move is for Miami. I will say though, Getting the Heat at thirty to one to win the title right now uh, for a team that is notoriously aggressive, and I, I trust will find ways to improve this team. I, I don't hate that bet. You know, they were they were close to making the finals last year. They were very close, and you know the rotations shorten up in the playoffs. And if they can manage a seven man rotation, they have a chance. 
They certainly do. And I, I think they're going to be active in the trade market. They're going to find another guy to, to ensure that, you know, Caleb Martin is, is not being relied upon this heavily. Uh, the Indiana Pacers, six and six, one of one, two, three, four teams that are currently right at 500 in the East. Um, I, you know, I'm not really sure what to think of the Pacers. They've been very up and down. They've, they've had a few blowout wins. They've had a few blowout losses. Ben Matherin looks like a big time hit. I, I think for fantasy, uh, his stock is only going to rise as the year goes along. I think, you know, it, they're going to trade Buddy Heald at some point. I don't know if it'll be to the Lakers, but I, I don't think he makes it through the year. And, uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, as amazing as he is, I mean, he's a, a 20, 10 and five guy right now with almost two steals. I, I still think like he's a distributor at heart. And, you know, I mean, Ben Mather could, could easily average 20 plus points per game over the second half of the year. I mean, he's basically doing it right now. Yeah, Hal Burton is more of a distributor. Like, his usage rate is the same as Miles Turner's usage rate, and Matherin's above him. So it's like he's not – Halliburton, yeah, he's his 10 assists a game are – that's more of what he does. But he's just – I mean, his game is completely made for fantasy. Um, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And If you drafted Miles Turner, like, people are drafting Miles Turner, I don't even know what. Like, he was slipping to, like, 50 or 60 in some drafts, I feel like. 15th best player in fantasy right now. You mentioned Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald might be a sell high as well if you have him on your team. He's 40th right now in fantasy. And I mean, Matherin's crazy, man. Matherin, 20 points a game, very much an NBA ready scorer. He just does nothing else, like two assists, doesn't get any steals, nothing like that. So he's not as impactful in fantasy, I, I think, as he is in real life. But someone that um, you know projects as the team's number two option, maybe even number one scoring option going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Hal Burton can almost do it effortlessly. You know, it feels like he's being forced into being a 20 point per game scorer. Um, you know, I forget who it was. Some some player compared it to Chris Paul recently. I uh, was on, on a podcast. I just saw a clip of and I, I don't know if he's quite that level. But I mean, to get that kind of comp from a fellow player that early in your career, uh, I think says a lot. And, you know, numbers wise. I think that's the type of player that he projects to be for fantasy. You know, I mean, he's never going to be somebody that pushes like 25 plus points per game. That's not who he is, but he could very much be a 20, 10 and five with a steal and a half plus and really good percentages for the next decade. Like you said, I mean, his game is tailor made uh, for fantasy. Do you have any, any notes on anybody, but those, those top four, you know, the, the Jalen Smith, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nemhards of the world, Isaiah Jackson, uh, Jackson's so up and down. I, w- I don't know what to do with him in fantasy. Um, Nemhard yeah. has been a little interesting to me, but again, I mean, that's only because Duarte has been out. Duarte has been, he was terrible before he terrible got hurt. So I don't know what, I don't know what you make of that. I think we think of him differently in fantasy because he was like golden for two weeks at the beginning of last year. And like, I, I, I don't think that's what his reputation is outside of the fantasy world. He's just not really very good. And he's old already. He's like 25. Yeah, he he might he might already be like just some guy like oh Chris yeah. Duarte like a Landry Shamit like exactly one of the, you know, yeah. that is that is an incredibly good cop I, I feel like that's exactly uh, who he's destined to be he'll be a rotation guy but he's not going to be a good rotation guy uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I did draft O'Shea Brissett in one league uh, you know I've always been enamored with him like he, he's had his DFS days over the last couple of years he's not even playing for this team he's he's basically played in half of their games uh, and Goga Patadze by the way who first round pick a couple of years ago. I don't think he's getting a second contract. He, he might be out of the league. I I actually had some hopes for Goga. He had some like decent yeah. 36 and, but it's just, it's not happening. He was kind of like a mini Shangun in some ways. And yeah, he's, I mean, he, he's also, uh, 
he's kind of like Dylan Windler, where he had like a sore foot for two straight years. I, I think that might have <laughs> impacted his development. I think so too. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, seven and seven right now. Uh, still without James Harden. That'll be the case for a couple more weeks. Uh, I mean, Embiid, all time stat line over the weekend 59, 11, and eight with seven blocks in 37 minutes, 20 of 24 at the line. He, he's been ridiculous. He, he missed three out of four games. Uh, to start November, but his last four games, he's averaging 40, 11, and three uh, with five assists as well. I mean, I, I, I kind of stayed away from Embiid in, in most drafts. You know, some people would take him as high as like three or four or five. I, I, I in general, shied away. I, I just felt like last year, um, we've gone, you know, gone deep on this in articles and pods before, but I felt like last year was the absolute best case scenario, getting 68 games from him and the numbers that he put up. I mean, he's, he's averaging more minutes so far. Uh, he's had to do a little bit more uh, especially lately with no Harden, and it, I mean it, it's it's kind of looking like that might have been the wrong move. I, I know he's already missed four games. Chances are he doesn't get to sixty eight, but uh, the numbers that he put up last year, I, I think that's just who he's going to be throughout his prime. I think so. Um, yeah, Embiid is when he's feeling right, he's ridiculous. I thought to start the year he looked pretty sluggish. Yep. I don't know if it was conditioning, if it was injury, whatever it was, but now he, he's really rounding into form. 38% usage rate. Um, you know, honestly, one one thing I was... I thought Tyrus Maxey would play better with Harden out. And he has really struggled uh, efficiency-wise. Like, the defense is completely locked in on him. He's just not playing that well. And, um, you know, I still, like... I still think they play very poorly as a team. Nobody cuts. Nobody hustles. They're all lazy. Um, but... And B is just carrying them. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the way it's going to be most of the year. We'll see what happens when Harden comes back. I, I think it was Kevin Pelton who had a note. This was this was as of a week ago, and I, I doubt anything has changed, but the, the Sixers were dead last in the league in passes. That definitely checks out. If you've watched oh, yeah. even one Sixers game this year, it is, it's kind of amazing that wherever Harden goes, like the team just morphs into his style, even when he's playing with Kevin Durant, even when he's playing with Joel Embiid, like he... He's such a uniquely ball dominant offensive player that he just like, and I, I don't even think it's any fault of his own at this point. Like Harden has, has done and said all the right things for the most part in Philly, uh, trying to assimilate, but he like his style. It you know there was there, was, there were those clips early on of Harden going between his legs eight times, and Embiid is just like off to the side, hands on his knees, just like waiting for the possession to be over. Like there's there's something about that that it just it, it makes it difficult no matter what. And you, you win games. You know we saw it in Houston for almost a decade, but. I, I don't know, man. I, I I thought they would find a way for that to to click a little bit more, and it it, it now feels like Embiid is taking off only because Harden is out. I agree. I mean, it's Harden. Part of the problem, Harden doesn't cut, so you can't form an offense around ball movement and cutting when Harden's yeah. on your team. It's just he won't he won't do it. And there's times where, like, yes, he is standing on the wing, wide open, and you can pass the ball, and he's going to shoot the three. But there are a lot of times in basketball where, yes, you're standing wide open for a three, but you should cut. Um, yeah. And he's just never going to do that. Nope. Um, let's go to the New York Knicks, also sitting at seven and seven. Uh, big players only meeting a couple days ago. They, they respond uh, by beating the red hot Utah Jazz last night in Utah, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I still don't really feel great about this team. Um, it feels a lot like last year's team. They didn't really change all that much other than bringing in Jalen Brunson, who 
numbers wise, fantasy wise, he's been great. You know, he's not shooting the three. Well, that's the only thing, but the, the, the field goal percentage overall still hanging around 50%. That's been impressive. You know, free throw percentage up near 90. The assists have been there. The steals have been there. Uh, the elephant in the room for me personally is RJ Barrett, believe it or not, Alex, uh, for the third straight year does not appear to have taken a step forward. Who could have foreseen this? Um, not me, not you. I, uh, yeah, man, they are, they're a mess. I, Tom Thibodeau might have to just be gone. Cause I don't know. I don't know what their other moves are. You just signed Barrett and, um, you know, you didn't do this trade for Donovan Mitchell because you were so worried about giving up Quentin Grimes. Who, like who even is Quentin Grimes? Seriously. Like, I, I don't understand that movement. I'm like, really? Like, like, like you asking me, like, who is he? I mean, he, like, he went this, to guy, this guy was allegedly untouchable in Donovan Mitchell trade talks. Like, I, I know. know he's been hurt. Okay? So funny. But then you got, like, our, you know, uh, Regis just playing over him and all that stuff. I just, I don't know what they do. Maybe the player's only meeting helps. But I think there's a better chance it's, like, they had a great meeting and they beat the Jazz. And yep. then uh, they just start getting off to their bad habits. Like I was listening to, I think it was Zach Lowe's podcast about their upcoming schedule. Um, it's a, they they might be in some serious trouble. Like they play Denver, Golden State, Phoenix, OKC, Portland, Memphis, Detroit, <laughs> yeah. Milwaukee. Like there's just a lot of really good teams <laughs> coming up. Right. Well, it's like what like what matchup would you be like? Oh, perfect. They got you know they got this team coming up. It's like every team you name off, you're like, yeah, that's a bad matchup for the Knicks. Except Detroit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I mean, Quentin Grimes. You know who he is? He's Taylor Horton Tucker. He is their version <laughs> of DHD of like we cannot trade this guy. We need to hold on to him. Uh, actually, we're going to dump him to Utah in a sad deal for Patrick Beverly. I mean, that's it. Kind of feels like that's where it's headed with him. Uh, we should note Cam Reddish, by the way, kind of kind of rising from the ashes. I mean, still a. He's the anti-Halliburton, just like the least fantasy-friendly game possible. Uh, doesn't do anything other than score, but he's had some nice games off the bench. Like he, you know, back with RJ Barrett, obviously those guys played together at Duke. There, there does seem to be a little bit of synergy there. But I mean, he was somebody that by the time he left uh, Atlanta, you're thinking like, is he even going to hang around the league? And I, I think he's at least established himself as kind of this microwave bench scorer type. Yeah, I um, he just has no history throughout his career of being efficient, no, or doing anything other than just like chucking. Yep, and he he's supposed to be a defender too, and he doesn't even like put up huge defensive stats. I mean, he had his he had his one good game the other day, and he yeah. followed it up with like another fine game. But I don't trust him at all. No, and then I mean, I don't. I know you don't follow college basketball that quickly. This is or that that much. This is exactly who he was. In college. I mean, uh, yeah. he was a big time recruit, you know, top 10 guy, bona fide. I mean, some guys, some, some people had him ranked as high as like number two in the class. He's getting Tracy McGrady comps coming out of high school and was legitimately just terrible the entire year. And he just kind of got a pass. Everybody's like, ah, well, he was, he was really good in high school. And yeah, he's, he's just, he's the same guy. He's the same guy. But I, you know, he, he's at least had some moments this season. So want to give a shout out to Reddish. Uh, the Toronto Raptors sitting at eight and seven. I, I love the Raptors for fantasy. You know, when everybody's healthy, it's a gold mine. There's like five guys who are super productive every night. The problem is Pascal Siakam is out. Fred Van Vliet's missing time. Gary Trent is now injured. Uh, OG Ananobi is on pace to like lead the world in steals. Uh, I know he, he he did not have a steal in their most recent game. That snapped a, what, 14-game streak of at least one steal for OG Ananobi. Uh, he was up over three steals per game for a while. Uh, so he's been a monster. If you took him in like the fifties or the sixties, 
that's been huge. Um, other than that, it, it, it feels like they're, they're an incomplete evaluation because they've, they've been missing like at least one guy every night. Yes. Uh, and yeah, interestingly, we were talking about how good of a year Siakam is having. Anganobi's having a better fantasy season than him, partially because of the two and a half steals and a block a game. Um, one thing that was interesting, I mean, we've seen, we were talking about this the other day because Scotty Barnes had sort of a he Scotty Barnes has not played well when his when like Van Fleet's been out, Siakam's been out, and I don't think it necessarily reflects too badly on his future potential, but it's very clear that right now he cannot be like a lead guy and that he's better with t- good teammates around him. Like he's a good connector. You know, he cuts, he makes the, he runs in transition he covers good on defense, all that stuff. But when the defense is like, okay, best player on the Toronto right now is Scotty Barnes. He just does not play well. Doesn't play well is passive. Is something to keep an eye on, I think. I know I emailed you about this internally, but again, this feels like another shot at me uh, calling a Scotty Barnes triple-double the other night. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I was, he was like the one guy who I was really aggressive on in draft season. And as you know, you've been in a bunch of leagues with me. I, I really tend to play it safe. I'm not somebody who is going to take Tyrese Halliburton fifth overall uh, in a draft. Like I, I kind of play it by the book for the most part and, and later on try to find my values, but he was one guy that I was, I was willing to reach for. And I, I just, I, I thought he, you know, his game is so suited toward fantasy. He was kind of a Jack of all trades for them last year. Um, you know, had a, a handful of 25 plus point games. You know, he, he had that one 30 pointer against the Lakers where he kind of really looked like um, he was going to take a step forward as a scorer. And yeah, I mean, it's been, if, if there was ever a time for him to step up and, and start scoring 20 a game, it would be right now when they're without Van Vliet and they're without Siakam. And he has 16 combined points in their last two games. He has one 20 point game on the season. I mean, we're, we're 14 games in. So yeah, he's been a disappointment. I mean, the nice thing is he's going to average uh, at least a steal and a block uh, pretty much every season going forward. I think that's going to be good. The assists are really good for a forward. Um, you know, for the most part, he's just kind of doing what he was last year, which, which is fine. But I really thought there was a potential for, for a big time leap coming here. And that just hasn't been the case. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong for that. I thought I thought he'd play better too. It's just um, maybe he'll clean it up toward or get you know sort of improve in that aspect yeah. later in the year because they're they're going to need him to do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, somehow we haven't talked about this team yet, but the Washington Wizards, Alex, eight and wow. six, two yeah. games above 500. They are red hot right now. They've won four in a row. Uh, just took down Memphis uh, a few nights ago. They've had a nice break. They don't. I don't think they play again. Uh, they do play tonight. That's it. But they've had three days off. Uh, between those two games. I mean, Kyle Kuzma lighting it up. Kristaps Porzingis looking like a major steal. Uh, Bradley Beals, you know, only played in nine games of their total 14 so far. We, we talked about him last week. It, you know, the, the days of him like touching 30 points per game just seem way over. He's just kind of a different player at this point. The three-point volume remains down. But uh, to me, Kuzma and Porzingis, that, that, that's been the story of this team so far, especially Porzingis. Porzingis has been great, man. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think he'd be quite this level of, um, I didn't think he'd lead the team in usage. Let's put it that way. Um, and I also didn't think Kuzma would be so definitively, you know, like a bit part of a big three, I guess, so to speak. Like he's, yeah, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely not, some sort of three, like a medium three. Right. He's still putting up like Kuzma style stat lines where it's like 18 points, eight rebounds and 45% shooting with yep. like not much else, but 
that's enough to you know be rosterable in a 12 team league um i just you know i will say i well this four in a row that they won without bradley beal by the way um not a great look for him but also the monty morris will barton um trade for them complete disaster disaster yeah um Morris yeah. is getting like passed up by Jordan Goodwin. Who even is that? Honestly, I don't uh, know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. But he's looked good. So we gotta give him his props. But it's like he's he's probably gotta be a rotation guy now. And Barton just hasn't been good at all. Uh it's they're making it work, apparently. I just don't really I don't really understand how, to be honest. Yeah, Barton, I I feel like he probably just didn't really want to be involved in that trade in the first place. It's like you go from title contender playing with Nikola Jokic to Hey, congrats. You're on the wizards. Um, like kind of the worst place to be. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure about that one. I we'll see on Barton. Like he's, he's gone. He's had these pretty dramatic swings. It feels like year to year, like he'll be really good one year. Then the next year, you know, every, yeah. everything is down. And, um, uh, you know, I, I mean, they could also trade him again. I think at some point, you know, that that's, that's the type of guy that like teams like Milwaukee and, um, I don't know, Philly, Boston, whatever the teams like that, uh, could look to target at the deadline. So, um, but yeah, right now, I mean, he's not really rosterable in fantasy and he, no. he too, he's kind of been like a Royce O'Neal guy for me the last few years as well. It feels like you can always get him cheap and you know, the ceiling is not that high, but he's always had a pretty high floor, but the, yeah, that's, that has not been the case whatsoever this season. Uh, only other thing I have on the wizards is Johnny Davis, not off to the best start. Uh, that is for sure. He was sent down to the G league a week ago, has not come back, has not played uh, in almost two weeks at this point. And you know, unless Washington makes a hard pivot, which they could at some point. Um, I mean, he's just, he's not going to be a rotation guy unless they make trades or, or decide to go in the tank. Has he actually played in the G league? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He, he played over the weekend. We got a note that he, he poured in 19 points. Poured in 19 points. Oh yeah. Okay. Two games played total of thir- Okay. He's played 48 G league minutes. I'm just reading this for the first time. 30 points on 45% shooting. There we go. Seven rebounds, two assists. Wait for He's it. Back. Eight turnovers, ah. five blocks, one okay. steal. One of the yeah, weirdest eight, eight stat turnovers. lines I've ever. One of the weirdest 48-minute stat lines I've ever read in my life. Yeah, he's he's a unique player. You know, I mean, he, he had a crazy high rebounding rate in college. You know, he's a good passer, but never had great assist numbers. It would also really hard to project because he plays for Wisconsin oh, yeah. and they play like a, a JV team. I don't know if you caught any <laughs> of the Wisconsin DWGB game last night. That was no, I didn't. one of the one of the worst, not even basketball games, one of the worst sporting events uh, that's taken place in probably a decade or so. It was so, so ugly. Um, anyway, we did not come here to talk DWGB. We got four teams left: Cleveland, Atlanta, Milwaukee, and Boston. Cavaliers are eight and five, cooled off a little bit. They've lost four in a row. Uh, this is a team that was uh, eight and one at one point. Uh, Darius Garland missed time early. Donovan Mitchell now dealing with an ankle. We'll see if he ends up playing, but they have a huge game tonight at the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, however, no Jared Allen in that game. Um, I, I continue to be impressed with the Cavs. It, it seems like they're going to hang around and. I think they have more staying power than last year's version of the Cavs, the Chicago Bulls. Oh, yeah. I mean, their upside is way higher, partially because of their defensive potential with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley protecting the basket. I I still don't think that they are going to be this fully realized team until Mobley. Mobley's not really a power forward. And so that makes it a little clunky, but 
Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell's playing at an MVP caliber. No question about that. I mean, I think his shooting is going to come down a little bit, but not so much that it's going to like crater the team. And, and you mentioned it, they've been dealing with a ton of injuries. Like they have not had their guys available. Like Karis Levert has played the most minutes on this team. Osman is like fifth in total minutes. So the fact that they're playing so well right now is sort of a, it really shows their upside. And um, I, I just think, you know, Mobley hasn't been as good as I think some um, some people thought he would be, including myself this season. Mm-hmm. But I don't think um, it's not like he's playing badly. No, no, he's he's in the same bucket as Scotty Barnes for me, where he right. the numbers don't really look all that great. He's kind of taken a small step back in every category. So is Barnes. Uh, but if you watch the games, like he still passes the eye test with flying colors. Like it's it's just ridiculous all the little things that he does for this team. And we probably. Yeah, we, we, we probably should have baked that into the projections a little more, you know, adding Donovan Mitchell. It's like, there's just not going to be that many shots available for Evan Mobley, who is not really a shoot first player in the first place. And now you're bringing in one of the highest usage guards in the league um, and basically adding him to this team. You know, it's not like, like Colin Sexton didn't play for them last year. So it's not like you're just doing a one for one swap there. But yeah, I, I think he's, you know, he's really, really good. That goes without saying. And I think eventually, you know, he's going to be a, a big time fantasy player, but Right now, I think he's content just doing the little things, and that's part of what makes him super valuable. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, before we move on, I want to note, because Donovan Mitchell is one of these guys, we have eight players currently averaging 30 points per game, and seven of those eight players are averaging at least 31.3 points per game. Uh, that is where Giannis checks in. Uh, and Bede's uh, up at 32.3%. Luca's at 34.4 points per game how many of these guys are going to end up finishing the year over 30? Because you know, I'm looking at the list. I ran the query on Stathead. Uh, I, I, the last time that we had more than three players average 30 points per game, you got to go all the way back to like the mid sixties. We're talking like 1965. I think it's possible for a lot of them to, I mean, all these guys are taking what 20 shots a game. It's not like the efficiency is crazy. Um, and I don't think any of them are like, Embiid shooting 54% for the field, that feels sustainable. Tatum, 49, might be a little high. Mitchell, 51 is kind of high. Curry, 52 is a little high. But it's like, I I don't know. I mean, I think they'll probably all end up at least averaging 29 points a game. It, this 30 threshold is is interesting, though. It's It really shows you how, I mean, the league is obviously more fast-paced and more efficient than ever. But so many of these individual players have gotten so good at scoring from every position from every place on the court you know they're like the three level scorer Doncic you know Embiid shoots his threes Tatum's all over the place SGA to barely even shoots threes and he's scoring 30 points a game so we have a lot of very unique players who individually are just they're they're it's crazy how skilled these guys are yeah and it's it's you kind of hit on it but it's hard to see any of these guys you know, falling off significantly, right? I mean, I, I think of that group, it's Giannis, Curry, Luca, KD, Embiid, SGA, Mitchell, and Tatum. I think Mitchell is the least likely to average 30 the rest of the way, just, just because, you know, some of that has come without Darius Garland and, and the way that team is constructed. But I, I just, you know, it, do, it doesn't really feel like anything that these guys are doing is like wildly unsustainable by any means. No, no, I don't think so. All right, we got three more teams. To hit. Let's get back to it. Uh, we are now moving to the team sitting in third place in the East, the Atlanta Hawks, who have now beat the Milwaukee Bucks twice this season. Uh, the shorthanded Bucks, but still the Bucks nonetheless. Um, 
Atlanta's been really interesting to me. I was very, very skeptical of the Trey Young, DeJounte Murray pairing. Uh, that has looked really good so far. I think they, they complement each other really well. Uh, you know, the numbers for, for DeJounte Murray have not dropped off nearly as much as I thought they would. I, I thought he would suffer a lot more than Trey Young, but I mean, he's still doing what he does defensively, and that's the biggest thing for Murray. Murray, yeah, Murray's going to be a defensive player to your candidate. At least he should be. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if Atlanta's defense as a whole is going to be there um, right now. I mean, they're, they're top six right now in defensive rating. Um, so, but how often does a guard win other than Marcus Smart? But you could argue yeah. he doesn't even deserve to win it in the first place. Uh, I agree, man. I mean, they're they're just a really well constructed team. You know, they have two really skilled backcourt guards. They have one of them plays good defense. They have a three and D wing and DeAndre Hunter, um, who, you know, maybe he's underwhelming, but he still is a three and D wing. And they have kind of this versatile sort of athletic power forward and John Collins who hits his threes. He's athletic and play above the rim when he needs to. And they have classic center, uh, Capella. And um, they don't even have Bogdan Bogdanovich yet, who's one of the better six men in the NBA. So I think, I think their potential is relatively high. I think they've had a, a pretty soft schedule, but the, the, the Murray impact on defense, I think is re- honestly what's helping them the most this year. And Trey Young's only shooting 38% from the field. Yeah. Like he's another guy. He's averaging 27 a game right now. He might actually be closer to 30 points a game when his shooting gets back on track. Yeah. Maybe he just replaces Donovan Mitchell and, and those right. are the eight going forward. I mean, I, for real. I, and I don't, I don't think, like he's suffering from you know some sort of adjustment period with Dejounte Murray. I think he's just in a, in a random early season slump, and and he'll end up shooting his way out of it. Uh, Milwaukee ten and three right now. Uh, the, the dream of an undefeated season, unfortunately, is over. Uh, I thought we might see it. Uh, they did start uh, what was it nine and zero, um, and you know ended up uh, falling to Atlanta twice. Like we said, they they mixed in a loss to the Spurs as well. Uh, the only guy I really care about talking about with this team is Marion Bochamp, who looks insane. I, I, I think he, I, I've been saying like the last couple of years that like a team like Milwaukee, like you need to find, you need to find like your version of Jordan Poole. Like that's what it takes to kind of sustain uh, that elite status. Like you, you, you can keep running it back with your same core, uh, but you need to keep adding pieces and keeping it fresh. And it's obviously way, way too early uh, to, to say what Bochamp is going to be. But I mean, to me, he looks like a massive, massive steal. And I think the silver lining of Chris Middleton being out, Andrew Holiday missing time, Grayson Allen being injured, Pat Connaughton is yet to play this season. I think he's going to debut tonight. Is that you know Bochamp has been forced into a huge role, and, and you could say the same thing about Javon Carter. Javon Carter's been crazy. I did not think yeah. he had it in him to like put up a twenty and twelve game or whatever he had. Um, that was that was really bizarre. I know Bugenholzer challenged him to be more aggressive. That's that's a different sort of aggressive for him. But Bochamp. Um, if we, if he figures out the three, you know, he's been a little shaky from there. 32%. He's taking a lot of them. He's going to be pretty good because he's a, he is a, he loves to run the floor. He's a great athlete. He's a hustle guy, like two offensive rebounds per 36. Um, good on defense. He's played within the offense. Um, you know, his teammates, I, I saw this in person when I went to see the Bucks game and you can see it on TV as well. Super, they're super encouraging of him. They're always like talking him up, um, you know, and like really asking him to be more aggressive. And I think that's a really good sign from a championship team. And, you know, fantasy wise, I don't think there's much there when everyone's healthy and, you know, Middleton's been out and Congleton's been out and stuff like that. But um, this is definitely a better selection than the Bucks have had in recent years. 
when you consider guys like DJ Wilson or Rashad Vaughn, for example. <laughs> uh, Rashad Vaughn, like literally a, a laughable name. Like I, I, that, that is just my, my innate response when I hear Rashad Vaughn, but yeah, it felt like, I mean, you know, DiVincenzo, there were a lot of positives early in his yeah. Bucks career and the injury kind of felt like it changed his entire trajectory. But uh, yeah, I, I love what I've seen from Bochamp, but especially if you read, you know, I, I kind of went back and read like the, the Eric name athletic article, on Bochamp after they made the pick. And I mean, they were like, the bucks were ecstatic to get him. And they, they, they said they were frantically trying to trade up to get him. And, and when he ended up being there, I think it was what 21 where they grabbed him. Uh, they were thrilled. And yeah, he looks like a hit so far. This brings us to the top of the Eastern conference, the Boston Celtics sitting at 11 and three had a couple early hiccups. You know, they, they got smacked around by Cleveland. Uh, they had that big loss to Chicago at Chicago in like the fourth game of the year. Since then though, uh, they have been red hot. They've won seven in a row, most recently beating OKC last night in another huge game for SGA. Not a lot to say about Boston. I mean, it, it there was so much drama around this team like a month and a half ago, and all of that seems to have faded away, and they've just kind of picked up where they left off under Missoula. I was going to say, this is about as quiet as possible for a team that's playing as well as they are. Um you also don't hear a lot about the Trailblazers, despite them leading the Western Conference. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tatum, Tatum's doing his thing. Uh, he's he's putting up MVP caliber numbers. We kind of knew this is who he was after what he did in the playoffs. And Jalen Brown's been very good. Al Horford, you know, he's missed a few games here and there with what I heard uh, Josh Lloyd refer to as back-to-back soreness. Mm. Um, you know, Marcus Smart has been having a weird year. He's picking it up lately. That's good, but... You know, this team, like, they're not they're not deep at all. Like, I don't, I don't love Grant Williams. Their backup center situation without Robert Williams isn't good. Brogdon, of course, is already hurt. I'm not, like, a big Derek White guy. But um, they're, I think they're just – they have so much pedigree at this point. I, I think that gets really underrated in talking about the Celtics. And they're such a big name as a team, right, the Celtics. But these guys – have been to the Eastern conference finals and been in the finals like so many times already. And um, the core of this team, and it's just, it's, it's just, they're demonstrating it right now, despite having like a, a new head coach. That is a good point. I mean, you, uh, you kind of forget that, like going all the way back to like that last LeBron Cavs team, like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were on that team. That, that, that seems like that was an entirely different era yeah, I mean, of the NBA. Those, those guys, that was the Eastern conference finals. Tatum has played 74 playoff games already. He's 24 Wild. years old. He's a, he has a nearly a season's worth of playoff games before he hits 25. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. 74. Yeah, that's crazy. 74. Not that anybody would expect him to have more, but Brad Beal, for example, like the first guy who came to mind, who's been in the, in the league, like way longer, 45 career playoff games. Right. Yeah. That's and Beal is, Beal is 29. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Celtics are good. That, that, that's the, that's my take on the Boston Celtics. Um, not, not a lot to say for fantasy. I mean, all those guys have kind of been doing what they do. We're, we're still waiting on Robert Williams. And like you said, Malcolm Brogdon, super, super overqualified for what they're asking him to do. But as we expected, you know, already injured. Like, did you end up grabbing him anywhere? I, I don't think I have him on a single team. I have him in uh, one of my NFBKC teams, but I, I may have dropped him actually Okay. for just like a streaming spot. I mean, to me, that's if you drafted him, it's you can turn that spot into a streaming spot, you know, when teams are on four game weeks and it's going to be yeah. better for you. Yeah, I, I got to say, my I, I was very high on my NFBKC team 
right away. Like first two weeks of the year, I'm, I'm starting to dream. I'm like, I think I might, I'll probably just win the entire thing. Uh, Desmond Bain, Fred Van Vliet, and James Harden all on that team. I, uh, in, a, in addition to Bancaro and Bam Adebayo. I'm going to so, uh... I'm like a sneaky 18th right now in the uh, Rotowire Online Championship. Oh, yeah. And really? Sneaky, who, who do you have? I, I got to find sne- your. And a sneaky eighth in the Raz Jam. Okay. Um, here's my starting lineup Doncic, Clay, SGA, Bruce Brown, Paul George, Draymond, Miles Turner, Kelly Oubre, Olenek, Wendell Carter, Charles Bassey, Mason Plumley. I also have Kyrie Irving on my bench. Um, Brogdon on my bench. I'll probably drop him. Cam Johnson on my bench. I'll, I may look to drop him, but I think yeah. it's really, I got SGA at like 40. Yeah. And I have Doncic as well. So that's really what's carrying me. And uh, well, he, I mean, Paul George has been good too. I know he's, yeah, he's and Miles feels like he's had a lot of highs and some lows, but he's been great. I mean, Turner. Yeah. He's doing what he does. Kelly Oubre. Not, not surprising. I mean, that, that's, that's one of those guys. He's just on league winning teams. Um, yeah. if Ky- dude, if Kyrie comes back and plays, you're going to be in crazy good shape. I, I don't know. Like, unfortunately you can't really, you know, you're pretty limited as far as what you could do with Kyrie in a league like that. But I, I think, yeah, if he comes back, you're going to have a real shot. Yeah. And my bench is in a weird way. I, I, I'm okay with it not being great because I'm just very comfortable, like streaming guys in and out every week when I need them. Yeah. You know, like Bruce Brown and, um, Bassey and Plumley, Like these are guys I like just added like last week and they're just, they're playing for me. I mean, that's also, that's all right. Um, yeah. I'm looking right now. I'm just, there's not like a great way to do this, but I'm clicking through and three of the top four teams in the overall right now have SGA. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, I think that's going to be like SGA and, and like Donovan Mitchell and probably DeJounte Murray. Like those are the big three. I think that, you know, if you made the right choice in round one or two and got those guys late, you're going to, you're just going to be set so well. I, I think so. Yeah. All right, man. We'll wrap this thing up. Uh, we got a relatively big slate tonight. We have 10 games, about average for a Wednesday. Got a three-gamer coming on Thursday. I will be chatting with Brandon Kravitz. Does radio down in Orlando. We're going to talk Orlando Magic on the pod tomorrow. Uh, probably do a half hour or so with him. And then you'll, of course, be back on Friday with Ken and Shannon. So we look forward to that. And uh, we'll do the Western Conference next time you and I chat, Alex. 